episode 7 of the Root of Reason podcast. This is the podcast aimed at the practical application of the Christian worldview. My name is Brandon, and on this episode, we're going to start our five-part series looking at classical or reformed Arminianism. We're going to be using multiple sources for this next set of podcasts. Um, and we're going to be looking at some online sources that are free or some podcasts that I uh, would recommend for just getting a general overview of Arminian theology and how it's practically applied in the world. Um, they're also going to look at works by Robert Piccarelli and Leroy Fourlines, who are both professors of theology. Um, we're going to look at some of John Wesley's teachings uh, in a book called Scriptural Christianity. It's written by Thomas Oden. And then we're also going to use another book by Thomas Oden um, called The Transforming Power of Grace, as well as looking at some of Arminius's writings, which are actually free online, that you can go and find them there in the show notes. The first source we're going to look at is... Um, a website called the Society of Evangelical Arminians, and you can find that at evangelicalarminians.org. I'll actually put that in the show notes too. Uh, but they have a section on here that's kind of goes over the, an outline of Arminianism and Calvinism, and the acronym that they use in comparison to the typical TULIP acronym, but the acronym they use for Arminianism is called FACTS, and those are Freed by Grace, Atonement for All, conditional election, total depravity, and security in Christ. Now we're going to go over those in a slightly different order than how the acronym spells them out. We're going to start with total depravity um, because that shows our need for grace and salvation. So that's where we're going to start is with total depravity. So looking at this in the logical order instead of the acronym order, again, we're going to begin with total depravity, which basically says that humanity was created in the image of God good and upright, but fell from its original sinless state through willful disobedience. Um, This leaves humanity sinful and separated from God and under the sentence of the divine condemnation. This means that while humanity isn't as bad or as evil as they could be, it means that every aspect or every part of a person's being um, is affected by sin. They have a sinful nature with a natural inclination towards sin. So it makes every human being fundamentally corrupt at heart. So because of that, human beings are not able to think, will, or do anything good in and of themselves. Um, That includes gaining any merit or favor from God at all. Um, We can't save ourselves. We don't bring anything to salvation on our own. Uh, The only thing we bring to the table is the judgment and condemnation of God for our sin that we deserve. Um, So we can't even believe the gospel, which I think is one common misunderstanding of Arminianism is many people think that Arminians think that uh, people are just neutral and they're just waiting to hear the gospel and that they can choose to believe it on their own. Uh, But that's not true of true Arminianism. Um, That's a modern misunderstanding of it. Uh, So yeah, human beings, because of total depravity, can't even believe the gospel. Um, So if anybody's going to be saved, God must take the initiative in salvation. In the works of Arminius, Volume 1, Disputation 11, on the free will of man and its powers, Arminius writes this, In the state of primitive innocence, man had a mind endued with a clear understanding of heavenly light and truth concerning God and his work and will, as far as was sufficient for the salvation of man and the glory of God. So what he's saying here, what Arminius is saying here, is that prior to the fall, before the fall, Man was in a state of primitive innocence, had a mind that was endued with clear understanding, um, that had everything required for a salvation, that everything sufficient for salvation 
from God to God's glory. But as we know, the fall happened. Man fell from their original state of innocence. And Arminius writes this, uh, describing the post-fall man. It says, In this state, the free will of man towards the true good is not only wounded, maimed, infirm, bent, and weakened, but is also imprisoned, destroyed, and lost. And its powers are not only debilitated and useless, unless they be assisted by grace, but it has no powers, whatever, except such that are excited by divine grace. And then he goes on to quote a little bit from St. Augustine on Christ's words, um, saying, without me you can do nothing. So I think many will be surprised to hear Arminius say that in the current state, in the fallen state, the free will of man towards the true good um, is not only bent or broken or wounded, but it's completely powerless, that it's debilitated, it's imprisoned, it's destroyed. Because generally what I hear and see um, critics of classic or reformed uh, Arminianism or even Wesleyan Arminianism, which there is some differences between Wesley and Arminius. He, he Wesley kind of moves in a little different direction. But even the, these general criticisms of Arminianism in general, including Wesleyanism, um, don't take into account what Arminius actually taught or believed uh, from Scripture on the state of man after the fall, and, and Wesley also. We're going to read a little bit of what Wesley talked about from uh, total depravity and original sin here in a minute. Uh, but I just think I think most people will be surprised to read or to hear uh, some of Arminius's words on just how destroyed and broken free will is in fallen man. There's Arminianism is not a theology that's trying to fit free will back into it. That we somehow believe that we have a, an ultimate autonomous free will, and we're just it's a man-centered theology. Um, that's not Arminianism. That's um, a mischaracter mischaracterization. That's uh, misunderstanding. And generally, the criticisms I see against Arminianism fall in that camp and don't really have much to say about true Arminianism, which is biblical and scriptural. Arminius goes on to say, The mind of man in this state is dark, destitute of the saving knowledge of God, and according to the apostle, incapable of those things which belong to the Spirit of God. In the book Scriptural, John Wesley's Scriptural Christianity, Thomas Oden records a plain exposition of Wesley's Christian doctrine. Wesley writing on free will after the fall, he says, The condition of man after the fall of Adam is such that he cannot turn and prepare himself by his own good natural strength and good works to faith and calling upon God. Wherefore, we have no power to do good works, pleasant and acceptable to God, without the grace of God preventing us that we may have a good will and working with us when we have that good will. Apart from grace, it is not possible not to sin. He goes on to write, There is no way for the sinner to achieve a good will or sustain it without grace preceding it. It's only on these terms, grace-enabled faith, active in love, that sinners may have a will that which is good and pleasing to God. So again, we see Wesley writing um, from an Arminian perspective that there is nothing good in the will of man. We have no power. We have no um, ability to do anything apart from grace that is pleasing and acceptable to God. It's not that man is neutral or kind of bad or 
mostly good with a little bit of dirt on him, you know, a little bit of badness. It's that man is totally depraved. Um, every aspect of man's being is touched by sin, is affected by sin, is destroyed by sin. And so it's only by grace, according to our Arminius, according to Wesley, and according to Scripture, it's only by grace that we can have a will and good actions that are pleasing to God. So hopefully we've established at this point that Arminianism doesn't deny total depravity um, in any way. Uh, but I think there's something that I, I kind of want to slide into here. Um, I think it's true that we understand that this reason I started with total depravity, because I think it's true and it's important to understand that man is a sinner and that we are totally depraved. Uh, there's something more, even more fundamental to explaining what a human being is. Um, and that's that human beings are created in the image of God. So what does that mean that we're created in the image of God? Well, one, I think it means we have a rational likeness to God. And two, I think it means we have a moral likeness to God. That we've been created as a person with a personality. In his book, Classical Arminianism, Leroy Fourlines writes this on the rational likeness we have to God. In Colossians 3.10, we read, and have, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So the image of the creator in man is linked to rationality. Therefore, we can conclude that being created in the image of God involves human rationality. And as to the moral likeness, Leroy Fourlines brings up Ephesians 4.24, where Paul writes, And that you put on the new man, which is created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. So again, we conclude from this text that the image of God in man makes man a moral creature. So we're created as a rational creature. We're created as a moral creature as part of the image of God. We're also created to have a personal relationship with our creator. So we're designed to have a relationship with God. So what does that mean as we think about total depravity and the effects of fall, of the fall in the image of God in man? Uh, again, Four Lines writes later in that chapter, he says, Concerning the effects of the fall on the image of God, Carl F.H. Henry explains, The fall of man is not destructive of the formal image, man's personality, although it involves the distortion, the dot, though not demolition of the material con content of this image. Um, he goes on to say, Louis Burkhoff comments, As created in the image of God, man has a rational and moral nature, which he did not lose by sin, and which he could not lose without ceasing to be man. This part of the image of God has indeed been vitated by sin, but still remains in man even after his fall into sin. And Gordon H. Clark says, Sin has interfered with, but does not prohibit thought. It does not eradicate the image, but causes it to be to malfunction. The reason I mentioned what Fourland writes about um, the image of God and how the fall of fall has affected that is, be, uh, kind of is to highlight what I mentioned at the beginning, that um, total depravity doesn't mean absolute depravity. Um, every person isn't absolutely as evil as they could be. Not every person is Hitler or a serial killer or things, something of that nature. Um, but the total means that the corruption is extended to all aspects of man's nature. It's tainted, it's touched, it's broken, all aspects of his nature, of his entire being. And depravity means that because of that corruption, there's nothing man can do to merit saving favor to God. There's nothing man can do to move the needle of salvation or righteousness into his favor. In the book Grace, Faith, and Free Will by Robert Piccarelli, 
which I'll link in the show notes. And if you were going to spend uh, some money and pick up one of these resources, I would actually recommend starting with this one, the Robert Piccarelli, Grace, Faith, and Free Will. Um, it's about 230 pages, and I think it does a really good job of uh, highlighting and describing classic Calvinism and then showing the areas of agreement, which are actually quite a few, and there is a disagreement um, from Arminianism to classic Calvinism. I think it does a pretty fair job of highlighting both points and then showing the areas of agreement and disagreement. So if you're going to pick one of these just to start with, I would say this is the book um, to start with, though they're all they're all great resources. Um, and he, the way he writes is very easy and accessible, I think. So in his beginning chapter, um, he writes about total depravity. Man is fallen and thoroughly depraved and therefore capable of no good apart from the work of God to enable him. One may add, although I think the Calvinists will not disagree, that this needs some clarification. Fallen man is not capable of any good that would justify him before God, nor is he capable of any absolute good. Even so, fallen man continues to be in the image of God and the recipient of common grace and general revelation. This means that he is capable of relative good, of doing and thinking things that are relatively worthwhile and noble, but he exists, in other words, in a state of contradiction and painful conflict, always falling short of the glory of God. So what he's saying there is what we kind of talked about with the image of God being maimed and broken, but not being completely destroyed. We're still rational creatures. We're still moral creatures, but total depravity and sin um, causing total depravity has affected every aspect of that, and we do nothing to merit or move the needle in our favor of salvation. I think you'll see in this episode that um, what the Arminian, the classic Arminian, Reformed Arminian, or Wesleyan Arminian, believes about total depravity um, is in lockstep with what Calvinism would say about total depravity, and more importantly, it's the biblical and scriptural understanding of the state of man after the fall. We'll get into areas of greater disagreement um, as we move through these episodes, as we move into um, discussions on the atonement and election and security and things of that nature. Uh, but I think it's important, the reason we started with total depravity, um, I think it's important that we begin with where man is and it's in their current fallen state. Um, generally, again, the criticisms I, I hear of Arminianism or the descriptions I hear of Arminianism a lot of times um, suggest or imply or just outright say that Arminianism would hold that man is somehow um, not totally depraved, that he's, at worst, he's neutral or kind of bad, but that um, at any time he could choose to believe in God, that, he, that God is just waiting, um, arms open for man to choose him and to allow him uh, to work in their life, um, that God is somehow inept and incapable of working in man's life without the all-powerful free will of man being um, overcome. But that's not Arminian theology. That's not uh, in any form, really. Um, and the, uh, modern or um, historical authors of Arminianism and even the offshoots, of course, you know, there's there's nuance and there's differences among Arminian, you know, theologians, and it's it's a broad category. And I obviously don't represent every aspect of it. This is my understanding of it from my own study. Um, but I think you'd be hard pressed to find any 
Armenian scholar, um, historic or modern, that fits into the general guardrails of Arminius's writing or Wesley's writing um, that would say that man is neutral or that man is somehow has a, a hint of good left in him. That's what's typically known as Pelagianism or semi-Pelagianism, uh, which is a whole nother uh, discussion um, from church history. But uh, that idea, generally that those labels get tied onto Arminian theology. Um, but uh, hopefully through this episode, you'll see that um, that couldn't be further from the truth, that Arminian theology is biblical theology. It's scriptural theology. It's not man-centered. It's not overly concerned with the free will of man or the autonomy of man and trying to drag man up to a higher status than what he deserves. It's fully focused on the glory of God. It's fully focused on salvation being solely and wholly a work of God, that the only thing man brings to the table in their salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. So after starting with depravity and the fallen nature of man, the state that every unbeliever finds himself in, every person finds himself in post-fall, uh, the next section we're going to cover, the next episode is going to be about the atonement. And we're going to talk about the differences, some of the differences between uh, Calvinistic approach to the atonement and Arminian approach to the atonement. This is where you're going to start to see uh, greater differences, though I still think you'll be surprised um, by the Arminian and Wesleyan teaching on the atonement. Uh, but yeah, so we're gonna that'll be the next podcast. And if you're wondering what um, this has to do with the general theme of this podcast about the Christian worldview and how to apply it practically to our lives as we go out into the world, as we um, have conversations with friends and family, um, our approach to life, our worldview is based on and grounded in Scripture. And so these are things that I believe Scripture teaches. These are things that um, affect and shape my worldview. My Christian worldview isn't um, devoid of Scripture. Uh, I'm sure if you've listened to any of these episodes, you know that's that's the case, that I want all of my reasoning and worldview to be built on Scripture and the biblical teachings. And so theology is an aspect of that, um, understanding how God relates to the world, understanding how salvation works, what God has revealed in his word about salvation um, is a fundamental aspect to our worldview. And so while we've generally focused on this podcast uh, to more of a conversation or might, you could say like a, a, a light apologetic focus on um, paganism or evil or things of that nature, uh, fundamentally, our theology is going to determine our worldview, and we get that theology from Scripture. And so I am under the impression that a more Arminian understanding of Scripture is the consistent system that's taught biblically. And so we're going to discuss that, talk about it, and I'm going to offer just my insights on that. So with that said, this is going to wrap up Episode uh, 7 of the Root of Reason podcast um, on Total Depravity. And so just remember, as you go out into the world, as you engage with people, as you are placed in situations where God wants you to be placed, that you bring the light of the gospel with you, that you help people understand um, the state that they are in without Christ, that they are lost and they're destined um, for hell. They're destined for condemnation and damnation. And so salvation is only found in Christ. It's only found in the blood of Christ. And that is the hopeful message that we take to the world is that um, there is good news. 
And that good news is found in the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And that is the only way of salvation. You, you can't merit your salvation. You can't work hard enough. You can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, we are utterly and totally lost without Christ and his blood and his sacrifice. So that's the message we take to the world. And that's what's important um, to us as we go and we engage with those around us, that we share that light of Jesus with them. So go remember Christ is King, Christ is Lord, He is Savior of all. Have a good day.